you have the mug. Well, good morning. Oh, I'm winded. Good morning. (laughs) I have not been keeping up with my Jane Fonda exercise tapes, and I am winded. That's too much. That's too much aerobicizing for me, guys. Too much movement in the morning before. Yeah, well, there and, is and, coffee, but there needs to be more coffee. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and my leg warmers. I'm overheating. Oh. <laughs> oh, <I see. laughs> so much, so much going on. Hello, gang. How's everybody doing? Hey, well, you know we're doing great. It's uh, a beautiful day in Arizona. Looks like everybody's checking in from different parts of the globe. How's it with you guys are? Oh. Uh, oh yeah i'm in toronto and uh, super excited we're going to have 15 degrees celsius i have no idea friend what that is in fahrenheit but it's extremely warm for this time of year so i'm excited <laughs> if my math is right it's 942 fahrenheit oh yeah especially with your leg warmers that makes yeah sense. It, totally <laughs> pardon me while i just uh, <laughs> Peel those off one at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, here in Eastern Ontario, we're going to hit up about 12, I think, which it, it's got us all goo-goo in the brain because it's just like, oh, my God, spring is here. The snow is going to melt. Yay. And then, of course, being Canadian, we also know that the pessimistic side of us, that it's going to slam us still. Winter will come back and laugh at us. So Exactly. It so don't start gardening yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Keep the seeds in the house so far indeed indeed well i believe we have skipped our introductions for this morning i know well well i know that see see the thing is bianca's been with us several times so it just feels like we're picking up the conversation where we left off the last time right part of the family right i know (laughs) Um, folks we have bianca folks we have bianca bauman with us here this morning bianca give us your your short introduction to yourself so that uh, maybe there's folks who haven't uh, met you here on idiotic before absolutely well first off i'm super excited to be back it's been a while bianca bauman i'm director of learning experience design for gp strategies um and i've been in the industry for 15 years now and i love everything that has to do with marketing and learning Mm -hmm. and development and uh yeah digital transformations and yeah super excited to be here with Chris and Brendan, of course, everyone on the call today, and we're talking learner personas. One of my we are. Yeah. Um, I was I was j- joking with Brent before you joined us in the green room that I felt like I should have brought up like costumes to change. You know, well, that would be such a fun. We, idea. You know, we should have thought about that. I, I, and course, <laughs> these are the things you think of only right before. <laughs> if I thought of it yesterday, right. you know, oh, that would have been fun Maybe. for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, Q in the chat's telling us that uh, that we're a permanent dancing gift. Check your Twitter, guys. <laughs> He's the master of the gift. I know, I know. Um, I'm gonna. Well, we'll check that out after afterwards. But um, absolutely, no kidding. Um, so, I mean, let's let's I guess start at the basics with 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 learner personas. I mean, you're you're pulling the idea of personas over from with a lot of influence. Let's say from the world mm-hmm. of, of mar- marketing. Yeah. Um, so in the world of, of marketing, what are, uh, what are personas? Uh, so in the world of marketing, they usually look at buyer personas. Uh, so they really try to understand the ideal or the typical customer. And, uh, then they create these, 
um, you know, they make up these these personas uh, with really names and pictures and character traits and, and pain points to really make sure they can deliver the right content at the right time to the, to the right audience. So if you, if you think of the marketing funnel uh, that we all are in and all go through <laughs> with all kinds of things all the time, uh, you know, it's almost like they know us. They know exactly where we are in this funnel, but they also know who we are as a person because they follow us, of course, online um, using our digital footprint there. But uh, they really know who we are and that's why they can serve up the content that is of interest to us because their end goal is of course to make sure we purchase a product or we purchase a service and uh, that's really where the idea comes from that buyer persona um, concept in marketing mm -hmm. yeah. um, so when we think about that from moving over into our you know learning world is it yeah. is a persona something you know different or is it a variation on the same kind of theme or how much of a jump is it to take that same kind of idea over? I don't think it's a big jump at all. The only mm -hmm. difference is that, you know, instead of us convincing our learners to purchase something, we want to convince them to be excited about our training and take our training and talk about our training. <laughs> but our end goal should also still be to engage, right? So marketing engages and uh, or consumers and we engage our learners so personas certainly help you do that and in the L&D world it's really it, it comes from the design thinking aspect as well right I mean um, that that's uh, I don't want to say a buzzword right now but I think it is a little bit like everyone is jumping on the design thinking wagon uh, but it's that empathy stage that first stage mm. that human-centered design and that's really what it's all about instead of thinking about your content first you want to think about the learner first uh, be ruthlessly relevant what is it that they need in order to be successful? So I don't think it's a big jump. Uh, concept is really, it's really the same. <laughs> I like that. ruthlessly relevant. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about think about the last meeting you had with your subject matter experts, <laughs> right? All of this needs to go into the course, right? It's like, well, does it really? What's what's the nice to have? So what's what's the must have? Let's start there and really, you know, dig down a little deeper. Mm -hmm. And then again, instead of starting from that content perspective, you would actually take the persona and let's just call him Bob, right? It's like, what would Bob think about this, right? Because Bob likes to learn uh, on his own time after hours on his mobile phone because, you know, in normal times, that's when he's sitting on the train to commute back home. Right. Or it might be um, Anusha, who actually, you know, uh, likes to listen to podcasts while she's running. So why don't we give her, you know, a podcast that fits into her learner journey and is ruthlessly relevant to her? Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it helps us bring in too, not just I mean, we it's easy enough to focus on role like, uh, you know, Bob, Bob is a CSR level two, you know, and therefore yeah. we have other uh, organizational info, but when you describe it that way, you're also mm -hmm. adding in context, other contexts beyond simply the, the job description in that way. Yeah, and that's such an important point. And I get asked all the time, like, how do you scope learner personas? Where do you start, mm -hmm. right? And that is, it is tricky and there is no easy answer. I'm very sorry. <laughs> and it takes practice too, it really does. But where, what I always highly recommend doing is think of your segments first. So those are like the big buckets of um, character traits, 
possibly that someone shares, or it could be um, it could be geographic regions, it could be business units, operating units. So really, really big, right? It could also be character traits. You've probably seen those personas where it's like there's the trailblazer and there's the achiever, and right. So kind of bucket them that way, but really start thinking through like the bigger buckets first, and then within each of those buckets, it's almost like a matrix that you could imagine. You would have multiple personas that fit fit in there. It could be manager and individual contributor, or it could be the job role, as you're just saying, or it could be, um, you know, tech savviness or not tech savvy, not being tech savvy. So it takes a little bit of, of trial and error to to start. Um, but I mean, the most important thing is talk to your learners. Never, mm. ever assume, right? Because once you start having these, these learner interviews, you'll actually be able to, you know, put them into the buckets um, or, yeah, as into your assumed buckets let's just put it that way and then you might have to change the buckets down the road mm -hmm. are there any common buckets we can reach into like that have already yeah. existed like you were saying like there's the achiever there's the uh, adventurer whatever i mean I, know, I mean you know personality traits i guess um play into a lot of this and certain personalities do have a tendency to gravitate into particular mm -hmm. jobs Yes. And, and those types of things. So could, is there a way we can like leapfrog a lot of this and, and start with somebody else's work that's already been done? <laughs> you know what? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I always, I almost have the same starting point all the time. It's for me, the segments are usually business units. Um, they are these ca character traits, like, you know, just achiever, the trailblazer, the, you know, the cuddler, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> like the people that are much more emotional, the collaborator, whatever they're called. And, and often that works. Um, but then sometimes, you know, you go into conversations with the key stakeholders, leadership, whoever needs to be at the table, and you realize, oh, that doesn't work because because, you know, uh, of the political environment, we can't go into business units, for example, right, or it would be too granular. But yeah, I usually always start business units or geographic regions, those character traits, those are some three good starting points, um, because you got to start somewhere. And then, you know, you start making your assumptions, and then you either prove them right or wrong, and you go from there and make the changes. But yeah, absolutely. Little cheat sheet, so to say. <laughs> um. Brent, I don't know if you saw, James has got a note in there about your MIC level. I don't know if you saw that or not. but I did see that, but it looks like it's it's pumping. It's, All righty. It is, it is clipping on my side. So. All righty. Well, we'll keep, <laughs> we'll keep rolling. But we definitely, we, we welcome the feedback because in this day yeah, and age, gosh, that, James. so many things can, can alter even in the midst of a session from one to the next. Yeah, if there can be a goofy moment, we've, we've had most of them. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure you can write a book about it. <laughs> yeah, we mostly just try to forget them. Uh, oh, that's, that's an option too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so like if you're, if you're mapping out learner personas, mm. how many, like how many personas do you need? Yeah. Um, so my rule of thumb, roughly three to five, but um, so let me, let me you know, answer this a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> so first of what what I want to say as well, is like, you don't create learner personas for one training initiative or one training program, you create, create them for your organization. So I think that's the first thing you really want to remember, uh, because it does somehow influence how many you want to create. Um, it doesn't mean that once you create them, you forget about them. No, 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 you have to revisit and adjust for each initiative, right. But yeah, you kind of set them. And you know, when you when you have a good, big old program, like a, you know, 
compliance training or onboarding. Those are great starting points to get into the learner personas because it's something that touches the entire organization, right? And then you can really go into the nitty gritty. So I like three to five because that gives me an, a workable amount of different options because the end goal of using personas is that we're trying to be to personalize the training as much as possible, which, you know, and, and I have these conversations all the time, you can't get them all. Um, I hate to tell you this, learner personas are not the solution for everything that's wrong in learning and development. I wish it was, but it's not. Um, so what I'm trying to say is it is still better than your, your typical or traditional um, learner analysis. That's usually somewhat, you know, some demographic information because you go much deeper. You go into the emotional level. You really think about what do they think and feel, right? Um, and so if you have three to five, it really allows you to think through these bigger programs and say, okay, I can have variation of my core program for three to five different personas. If I had 20, well, we don't already, we don't have enough yeah. time and money and budget <laughs> to, you know, do what we're doing. So now you're asking me to create 20 different programs. It's, not, it's just not realistic. Right. Mm -hmm. And you would just get lost in the weeds. So yeah, I usually say start with three to five and, uh, and then you can always build from there as well. Um, but what you also find is, you know, the more you have, the more they will have in common again. And you're like, you know, and actually I can kind of combine these two. Right. So. Sure. Yeah, and that was partly what I was thinking was like, I mean, you could you could end up uh, potentially in learner persona paralysis, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. it's theoretically depending on um, yeah. I'm, I'm, when you're thinking about a, um, a more global kind of audience, you know, across multiple mm -hmm. geographies, I'm presuming that that also means more personas, though, that would be probably needed. Absolutely. And that's where the segments come in again, right? So you mm. might end up having three to five uh, personas in one segment, right? right. Uh, and then, yeah, you have multiple because, yeah, there is cultural differences for sure, right? So mm -hmm. the bigger the organization, the bigger the, the, the number of personas, most likely. But again, keep it somewhat, you know, uh, actionable for yourself because otherwise you're just, yeah, um, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping the learner, right? I think it's interesting not to use them as... Um your comment about not for the individual courses because mm. I, I think some instructional designers get stuck in that analysis a little bit mm. when 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 they're just being asked to create one course right oh sorry um i'm trying to keep my volume spiked up there for you but i think crowdcast <laughs> is crowdcast is muffling me <laughs> um yeah i think that they um like it's a strategic thing, right? And you want to, once you've got that whole organization, if you are a contractor, do you spend a lot of time or should you spend a lot of time thinking about that persona side of it? Or is that something that's an added thing? Because I could see you, I could, I could see a contractor that's been told, hey, we need a, a course mm -hmm. created. And if you mm -hmm. say, well, I need to know who your audience is and I'm going to create some personas for you, that's going to take a lot of extra time and mm -hmm. they may not really need it, right? I couldn't agree more. So there is a time and a place for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, ideally, as, as you come in as a contractor, I think that's a perfect example, because I know we have a lot of those on your call, right? Um, I think I would always ask the question, do you have learner personas? Uh, and just kind of 
gently nudge the organization to maybe do that on the strategic level because it will help the organization overall but yeah if you come in and create a 30-minute e-learning course on something right um it's not worth going into creating them i mean you know by the time you interview people i usually like to interview around 20 to 30 learners if I can right uh, as you get above 30 I feel it's very repetitive which is a good mm -hmm. thing right because it really just tells you like yep yeah, this is exactly where I need to go and I also like to have um, uh, collaborative workshops with managers and key stakeholders where we actually brainstorm so it's more like what do you think your learners see every day what do you think they hear what do you think they think uh, what do you think their pain points are right and so so you you brainstorm this typical learner and you come up with like their names and their interests and you know whatever it might be and then you have these learner persona interview or the learner interviews and then you kind of combine the two so to your point brand if I have to create a 30 minute e-learning module it definitely makes no sense to spend about you know a month uh, worth of work in order to just find out who the who the learners are so yeah mm -hmm. couldn't agree more and the fact of the matter is if you're an outside uh, contractor well first of all it's a deliverable on its own isn't it like the massive amount oh, of potentially work yeah. so if it's not in the contract <laughs> right but mm -hmm. you know secondly even if you had all of that you know work that you, you did put in coming from the outside can the organization even make use of it is the organization even going to make use of it you know that's, that's the other in. thing yeah. yeah i mean for a 30 minute module what i could imagine is that you know maybe the intro is different for each persona right but then again how do you actually manage that on your lms system to make mm -hmm. sure you know people get the right course and you like now you're getting into you know really really hot water there yeah. whereas for me learner personas are connected to learner journey right where you really envision an experience over multiple weeks or months even with multiple touch points and then to come back to the concept of ruthlessly relevant you know let's just say there's 20 touch points but you know our bot persona only needs 10 of those touch points because he already has all the other stuff in his back pocket right and anusha actually needs all 20 uh, but then even within those touch points there's, there's different options on how to access the content it's still the same content but one might be you know in an e-learning module one might be in a podcast one might be you know just read a pdf whatever it is whatever it is but this is really for me um i combine learner personas in my head with learner journeys really mm. yeah it's interesting no. the the different types of inputs that we could possibly mm -hmm. need to get a question in the chat and it's funny i was thinking the exact same thing so it's like Maybe let's get a little tactical here. Like, what yes. are those? What are those things? And um, is there potentially like a list of questions that you typically ask when you're going through those interviews, or mm -hmm. are there other inputs that allow us to help create these personas? Absolutely. So I usually break them up into four buckets of see, hear, um, do, think, and feel. And then in each of those buckets, I have very plain questions. What do they see? What do they hear? Right. So it's very, very plain. But you would be surprised what you actually get out of, you know, those collaborative workshops when you when you talk to the managers and the key stakeholders. Um, I also have questions such as what do you think they hear from other people? And I like to keep the questions basic and generic and not focused on learning, because if I say, what do they hear about learning, then they answer the question about learning. But here's the problem with that question. First off, I'm leading them towards just thinking about learning. But also, what does learning mean to you? It might be different to what learning means to me. So I just had that experience where I was uh, actually consulting an organization on 
or helping them, you know, just sitting in their interviews and they had a ton of leading questions. And then sure enough, the person, um, the, the learner was saying when she heard learning, she only thought of, oh, that's when I go to the LMS. But as we all know, learning is coaching and mentoring. And, you know, I go and Google something, whatever it might be. She didn't even think about that. So that's why I like to mm. keep the question somewhat open, right? But I do ask, like, you know, um, what what do they hear from other people? What do they see when they're at work, right? The toughest question is usually, like, what do they hear? It's like, what do you mean? Do they listen to music? I'm like, sure, that could be it. Because it, it influences who they are and what they do. I also ask questions around what do, do they do outside of work? Because whatever they're interested in outside of work, they bring that to work. It's still the same person right? They still have those same interests. So can I leverage that somehow? So so that's definitely important. So I have some of those questions. Um, sometimes when I just have interviews with key, stakeho key stakeholders, I have the you know, standard almost needs analysis questions in terms of what are some of the pain points you see? What are some of the challenges, right? Like rather broad as well. Yeah. And um, and then, yeah, for um, you can have uh, additional data sources, just like HR data, right? Uh, observational data, things like that, that you could combine. But those are like the three data sources, I'd say. Any of it, has, have you seen any of it change over the last year or so, right? Like I, we were talking in the green room ahead of time and I mm -hmm. got to thinking, oh, yeah, I guess I think the personas might shift up a little bit with people working from home now instead of going into the office because people bring... A, a different self into the office than they have mm -hmm. when they're working from home. Yes, absolutely. We've certainly have seen a shift. We've worked with organization that kind of revisited their learner personas because of that. Right. Um, and yeah, for newly created personas, you certainly see the shift more towards what's actually happening while they're sitting in their office, which we all know the office mm -hmm. might be the kitchen table and there's like two other people sitting at that table and mm -hmm. everyone is talking to someone else. Right. So, yeah. but that environment is extremely important. And again, it's not just a learning environment, but it is the, the work environment itself, because in the end, we're in the business of performance, right? And not just learning and training. And there's so much more that goes into this. And sometimes we identify a pain point where it's like, oh, no one uses the copier. I know it's always my go-to example, but it's like, well, no one uses the copier because it's like five flights of stairs up and no one wants to go there, right? But it's not that people don't know how to use the copier. So just move the copier, right? <laughs> and, and if you ask learning specific questions, you would never even get there. So, you know, keep them open. That's my message here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it always comes back to what, what are, what's the problem that needs to be solved as opposed to the... Mm -hmm. um, so let, let's, let, let's shift. Let's say we've got our, our learner personas. We've, we've, we've got that all set up and we've, we've done the things that we need to do for that. What, what do we do with them? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what happens a lot of time and it's really sad? Nothing. Nothing yeah. happens because it's a checkbox exercise. It becomes this buzzword of like, hey, we created learner personas. We're awesome. We're mm -hmm. now doing modern learning. Well, yeah, but you have to do something <laughs> with these personas. So and I'm laughing about this, but it's actually really sad. Um, <laughs> and I've and I've seen it multiple times that, you know, they're not going to be brought back in. So really, really important <clears throat> once the personas are created, often instructional designers don't know that this happened in the first place because mm -hmm. it happens at a strategic mm -hmm. level. So first off, internally, educate your staff on, hey, we have these learner personas now, right? So that might be instructional designers, it might be your performance consultant, it might be anyone who you know touches anything related to training and development in, in the organization. And it doesn't hurt to also 
talk to you know different business units and leaders there to just say hey this is a new approach we're we're using you know just fyi kind of thing um but then you know designers really need to start um implementing them so as they start working through new training initiatives as i said before instead of thinking content first they think person first so how would anusha actually you know take this compliance training what are some of the things that would work for her start using those names it might sound really silly but it actually does mm -hmm. work uh so also but on that note make sure what you call them because it's going to stick um and so yeah use them and then you know as you create your your different iterations if you work agile or if you still work waterfalls you have like you know your very traditional design document storyboard whatever it might be alpha beta uh you know at every checkpoint go back to your persona and say hey did i actually hit all these you know pain points that i know all the needs that i know this person has so yeah they constantly have to be brought up uh at every milestone uh, no matter if it's agile or waterfall and then also once you roll out that program double check again on the learner personas like hey did we get this right and getting learners input here is extremely important as well so as you create those learner personas before you start using them have learners look at them say hey do you see yourself in this because what often happens is that we we put biases into creating mm -hmm. personas we are either way too negative or way too positive and i find myself doing the same thing it's just i think human i don't know right so i always have to have I have to check myself during these sessions and the creation of the personas. I'm like, oh, am I biased here? Do I have a stereotype in here? Right. And and when you then start designing and developing, it's a great way to double check those biases to make sure they're not in there. Mm -hmm. And I know as we got as we got started in this and you were describing, you know, some of the kind of some, some example personas and we mentioned, you know, podcast or, or mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. Um, so uh, and, and there's a great question from Jill in, in the uh, in the question panel. Do you apply personas in material development in other ways other than choices of delivery options? I mean, so are we strictly, you know, using these personas to figure out how uh, the the content type is for for these different folks or or uh, what all what else do we do with them yeah great question um tone of voice as well how do mm. these people like to be talked to and that then also ties into your um adoption and promotion of the content right as you write emails to promote the content as you have mm. your your yeah a maintenance after right like what does that look like that whole engagement and adoption piece around what we're doing so it helps um it helps graph uh, draft those communications as well. And um, yeah, delivery channel, content itself, um, and yeah, the, the tone of voice. I think those are the three biggest areas to to use them. Great question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would think too, it also plays into some of the contextual uh, aspects of the content itself, types of examples, making sure that they're related to the real world of the, you know, the different, you know, personas, because this does tie into roles too, obviously, too. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%, yeah. right? There might yeah. be different examples. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we're doing different content deliveries, um, I mean, you even mentioned a few minutes ago, Bob doesn't need, he needs 10 of these things. Um, Anusha mm. needs all 20. Mm. Um, how do we, Sorry, I'm trying to figure out what my question really is. How do we make sure that the organization itself is mm -hmm. comfortable with this notion that maybe not everybody needs everything? How much time do you have? I know, I know. <laughs> Can of worms. All right. 
absolutely right. it's it's a very loaded question um and i think it's it's education it's really education yeah. it's being patient it's you know um setting the, setting expectations from the get-go so as you go off and start creating those learner personas get buy-in from you know the people that need to give you the buy-in so you can use it moving can, can use them moving forward because it is that notion of what do you mean they have to look at everything right mm -hmm. i think we're seeing I'm, I'm hoping we're seeing a bit of a shift really towards that uh partially through the pandemic as well but just in general even before um COVID hit, I saw that organizations are becoming a little bit more comfortable, but in the end, it really comes back to managing, managing expectations, educating your stakeholders on modern learning principles, right? Mm -hmm. So I know it's it's a very kind of like fluffy answer, but that's really yeah. But it's something that we all you know. that everybody who tries to to move in a, in this newer direction has to sort of wrestle with is is, um, and even if your own learning team is all on board, somebody's got a boss above them somewhere who goes yes. Mm -hmm. But what about that one little thing? Um, mm -hmm. And I guess there's also there's also in some of these things um, legal ramifications, right? If you can't demonstrate that everybody has been presented with all of the checks in the boxes. Um, then the organization may be at risk as well. So, Absolutely. I mean, from a compliance perspective, we've all been yeah. there, right? We have to check certain boxes. Um, but then again, you know, instead of having a learner go through um, three hours of compliance training, can we spread it out over the next four months and they take 10 minutes every day, right? Yeah. Yes, they would have to take all the 10 minutes, but, you know, now you right. can take something that was a course and make it actually into an experience with the help of learner personas to say, hey, let's make compliance training fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, it, this is absolutely fabulous. Kim's sharing in the chat an aha moment. With cognitive load, I can use learning mm -hmm. learner personas when creating the connection to prior knowledge. Uh, mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yep, yeah, totally. I love that. Great comment. Yeah, yep, for absolutely. sure. Um, and, and Mitch has shared um, an example of quote, and he's putting the, these quotes in, how they feel impacting content. Um, I designed the sexual harassment piece targeting people who had been charged with it as part of remediation. And I took an approach that was different from what I would use for an orientation because of the complex feelings, guilt, resistance, bias uh, that might need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's a whole different context involved in, you know, you're, on, you're part of a legal proceeding versus the... The thou shalt not uh, aspect yeah. of compliance for sure. I, yeah. I love switching that for sure. But yeah, it's mm -hmm. that that feeling aspect here. And for some reason, I don't know why it is. It's almost like you're an instructional designer. You can't talk about feelings. Don't go there. It's like I know, that and, is and, what motivates us and what drives us. I know. <laughs> so and, and, and then the legal team has to get involved and they erase all of that and and, and want mm -hmm. to put the mm -hmm. compliant related uh, you know language back into to everything yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um how how does um how do you switch like between the 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 different elements of e-learning and training and stuff that we do from the soft skills to the hard skills? How do the personas apply? uniquely to one or the other, if at all? Um, I, I think they apply just equally to both, right? Um, so I wouldn't actually, you know, it's interesting, never, no one ever asked me that question, Brent, but 
I would just use them the exact same way. Um, I don't think there's a difference in, you know, because in the end, it's all a learner experience. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what you're actually teaching there. So, yeah, I would certainly use them. Um, I would use them the same way. I think a lot of what way. we do is, the only reason why I think about it is a lot of what we do is pretty tactical, right? Sometimes it's yes. just, hey, somebody needs to learn a process. And it's like, so how, mm -hmm. why do I need to know how they feel and how they do all these things if, if I just need to? train a process right and then absolutely and i think that goes back to your earlier question if it's just a course you know probably don't even worry about the learner persona so much right so absolutely there's um i mean we could have very strong feelings about a specific process but <laughs> i don't think those feelings are that relevant <laughs> in in this uh, scenario and yeah as opposed to like doing mm. like um leadership training for example right yes. getting to know how people think how they feel how yes. they engage with other people all that kind of stuff then it becomes I think really, really important to, to know a lot of this, to have an understanding of a basic persona. Yeah, I agree. I think where the feelings might come in a little bit more for those uh, process, um, you know, modules is, is really like their feelings towards learning in general. So then mm. it would help me more with the communication aspect about how can I get them possibly excited, even if I know they hate the process. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's probably more on the communication side than the actual learning experience, which if you really argue it, you know, for me, the communication piece is part of the learning experience. But um, mm. that's that's a topic for a different session. <laughs> yeah, you, and you mentioned it before, like, uh, you know, one persona might... Um enjoy listening to podcasts and I, I, I almost didn't say that because I didn't want people to start thinking I was talking about learning styles. I am not. <laughs> no, is, exactly. Different. Consumption, yeah. Right. So like yes. somebody might do that. And I, I've known a ton of people who are like, I don't understand how you can listen to podcasts. I just can't mm -hmm. stand listening to people talk. And mm -hmm. like they, they, they just like when they're listening to something, it just has to be music and, yeah. you know, and they just, are set in their ways and that's it. Mm -hmm. So um, I started thinking about using learning personas when we're thinking about creating multiple solutions, right? For a, yes. a particular thing. So maybe yeah. part of your training is it's all the same training, but it's delivered in different mediums. Yes. Right? And some yes. people might think that that is like, oh, it's pretty redundant, right? It's like, no, not really, because each medium is 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 there to support a different persona right yes absolutely and you hit the nail on the head there um again going back to my comment around often we're one woman man show uh there's no time and budget so what bianca now you asked me to create 20 programs no the core <laughs> program stays the same but there's variations to it right and the content delivery mechanism changes or the examples changes as chris was saying earlier right so you're really trying to still you know stay to the core as much as possible but you have like you know, little pieces that you're changing. And that's why for me, learner personas go well with learner journeys because learner journeys are small bite-sized Lego building blocks. And then I decide for each persona how I want to put those building blocks together, you know, to create that experience for them that works for them. So, you know, um, it might end up one person has a skyscraper, whereas another person has, you know, a little cottage at the lake and, you know, just still the same building blocks, but it's very different shape mm. overall, right? Mm -hmm. well, James has got a question in the, in the question panel that I think connects to this idea. Um, based on the work effort required to determine personas and modify mm -hmm. courses or content to suit them, 
Is there a time or place for instead focusing on very clear naming conventions and descriptions for resources that allow the user to find the solution they need based on their innate knowledge of their own persona, pull versus push? Um, in other words, how does this play, uh, or in other words, my interpretation then is this, I mean, we've been talking about thou shalt take this and we're gonna use the personas for making that a better experience. Um, but the, you know, how, how does this tie into helping learners find the things on their own uh, that they need? Absolutely. Again, I'm going back to my learner um, journey experience mm -hmm. example. Uh, I always built in push and pull. And depending on the learner persona, they're not the pulling kind of guy. So you don't even want to go there because we're expecting them to pull something because, hey, that's what we do now. But not everyone wants that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. Excuse me. So you have to keep that in mind. So one learner persona might really be like, you know what? I need to be spoon fed, you know, give it to me all, mm. you know, I don't want to go somewhere and find things. However, um, you know, I, I still think it's really important to have certain, you know, naming conventions or resources to make sure people are able to find what they need, which, which goes back to the ruthlessly relevant. And I would argue as you build your learner personas and then the content around those personas, automatically you will be able to have the right language so they, they find what they're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, push and pull equally important, um, but might not be important equally to each of the personas. So that's why we're building them to find out, right? Yeah, and it, it ties <laughs> in, I think, pretty nicely into our, some of our previous conversations about how mm -hmm. we connect with marketing and what marketing does, yes. right? And so, yeah. so being able to be clear, being able to write mm -hmm. uh, headlines, for example, right? Yes. You know, and or just to you know to be able to write things that are uh, easily understandable and things like that, and just being able to hit those personas and to know, you know, mm -hmm. what's going to hit that different market in different ways is, yeah. is part of this, right? It, it's it's part of putting mm -hmm. those pieces together. I, uh, as we start to get close to our time here, I do have mm -hmm. one kind of wrap up question in my mind that I that I sure. just it just hit me was, is there a way to tie back successes with our training? Right. Everybody loves to talk about data and analytics and everything. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to tie back the success or the improvement to an existing course to the fact that we did personas so people can mm -hmm. start to look at um proving that it's worth the time and worth the cost to go through this process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it is um, time intensive to, to do that, but ideally you would have the before and the, the after data, right? So let's go back to our onboarding example. Um, you had your onboarding program before, hopefully you already captured some data around that and not just uh, a seats and a bumps in seats, but you know, <laughs> you're really also looking at some of the qualitative data, some sentiment analysis, engagement information, which can come from uh, a platform, but it can also come from, uh, you know, observation. Uh, surveys, uh, whatever it might be. And then after I would simply look at the same um, data points and say, hey, you know, now based on, you know, we personalized the onboarding program more. So now, you know, we have seen an increase in yes, uh, you know, people accessing just just accessing content, but also from a sentiment perspective, like, you know, we, we, we look at the, the qualitative data and we see much improved positive feedback around the different experiences. And ideally you would see that across the board. So yeah, absolutely. It is time intensive to do it, but uh, the before and after should certainly help you do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and then that helps you convince the, uh, the naysayers or the fear, the fearful folks that, uh, that the whole thing actually does play out. And 
Absolutely. In, in a way and, that's and positive. I, and and I think that's a really good comment there, right? Instead of going out and and you know spending three four months on creating learner personas, which you could easily do, you know, start small. You know, do something real quick and dirty. Like you know, I I, I run sessions at, at conferences where we actually create a learner persona in forty five minutes. Don't overthink it, right? Have a starting point at least, and get people to you know think about the concept itself. Uh, don't over-engineer it. You can always make changes later, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, just one piece of advice I would share before we um, before we close out. Uh, I had one experience where we actually created a learner persona based on someone in the room. And I didn't know it. I could only tell that all of a sudden something shifted. And it, it was an accounting firm and there were like three partners in the room and one person, uh, well, two partners and one possible partner. And that possible partner was like, well, you know, I want to be a partner. And one existing partner was supportive of this and the other one wasn't. And they played it out on the back of creating this learner persona most awkward situation ever because i'm like okay what is going on the learning person in the room didn't know what was going on and eventually like we actually had to stop the workshop like it went like crazy um so anyway don't build a persona based on someone in the room it's not a good idea <laughs> oh, <Yes. awkward. laughs> just a little that is uh, an, an, an interesting uh, an interesting way to end. Now my mind is spinning, and I hope scare people away from personas. Now. I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> hey, you know uh, what? It's been a pleasure having you as always. Why don't you drop you. in some links into the chat, let people know how they can reach you? Um, sure, absolutely. Um, I'm certainly on uh, Twitter and I am on LinkedIn too. So let me just quickly grab that link. I should have known. I should have had them ready. You always ask, and uh, <laughs> well, and, ready. And, and we were so casual in the green room and prep that I actually forgot to nudge you on that. Too. Right? So I'll, yeah. I'll take, the blame. Just... I'll take the blame for that one. See, you there see, you the problem go. was we we had already developed the Bianca persona, having been yeah. here before. We we forgot <laughs> the we forgot to revise it <laughs> or to update it or to make sure that it was still current. Bianca, thanks so much for joining us. This has been absolutely fabulous. Thanks to our folks in the in the chat and the questions always bringing great forward stuff uh to us here and uh, and so glad to have everybody here and you know fingers crossed for those of us in the snowy world that uh, that the that the warm the warmth that we're seeing this week continues on and becomes something real for us so absolutely thanks friends thanks chris for having me I had a awesome. great time talk to you soon thanks everybody Bye.